0: the people in life are countless, so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests, and sidequests and sidequests. and hello welcome to the first and experimental new format of panel episodes for psychics and side that we'll be calling parlays at the platter Uh, the goal is to invite guests of the podcast who share a similar field of expertise or passion to invite them to come together and have a lovely hour or so on the topic i'm joined by three wonderful guests of the podcast to inaugurate this new feature those of you at the aristocratic level of patronids on the patreon will get to hear this as an early release uh on on patreon so kudos to you the plan is, is to eventually make these uh, available on the regular rss feed because i think these conversations are too cool and too important to just indefinitely keep uh behind the paywall so without further hesitation my first guest is a former football player who started out as a bigfoot in wisconsin then became a university of wisconsin badger before he became a center for the dallas cowboys aside from an illustrious career of sportsmanship he also double majored in computer engineering and computer science while at U of W, and now is the co-founder and CTO of Demiplane, a company that creates digital tool sets for playing tabletop role-playing games, which can be used as an aid to playing in person or remotely online. You will recognize this guest as the creator of Finwick, the death tyrant, Beholder Chef, <laughs> featured in episode number 66. Very happy to once again share a pint and parlay with the great and awesome Travis Frederick. Travis Frederick. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Yes, my second guest, likewise a football prodigy that started as an eagle in California, was a University of Nebraska Cornhusker, Bobcat, and then chose to become a University of Las Vegas Rebel instead of going to the Badgers in Wisconsin. After college, he had opportunities to be with the Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Wildcats before he found a home as a fullback with the Cleveland Browns. He remains active with training and plans his next moves in the world of the pigskin. You will recognize this guest as the creator of Clover, the Dwarven Crystal Merchant, featured in episode number 92. I'm happy to crack a cold one in Conclave with one and only Johnny Stanton
1: for Hey, thanks for having me. I will say, you made it sound like I chose um, UNLV over Wisconsin. And um, <laughs> I don't know many people that would make that choice because it wasn't a choice that I, that I made, but I, I, I all loved my alma mater UNLV, but I, that was a little bit earlier on when I chose Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love to Madison. I love Madison. Yeah, Madison's
0: great. And my final guest for this evening is the biggest Florida Gators fan that I know personally. He grew up playing fantasy football and baseball regularly and enjoyed being a sports nerd as he grew up. As well, he competed in cross-country running at his... College. He shared with me on his episode his passion for being a lover of not just watching sports entertainment, but doing so with the friends and family that you love. These days, he's an ambassador for Take This, the nonprofit, which seeks to decrease the stigma around mental health and to increase support for mental health and gaming. He is a game designer, a Twitch streamer, and his boss is Travis Frederick because he is the community and support manager for DemiPlay. You'll recognize this guest as the creator of Sahara, the dragonborn werewolf blacksmith, featured in episode number 77. I'm happy to raise a toast and round robin with the bold and brave Joshua Simon.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm I'm glad that you started off by saying you know experts you know with with, with experience and then enthusiasts because uh, I'm the the sports
1: enthusiast in the group and they're the professional athletes of the group. Yeah, but you got the comment saying that you're a passion for being a lover. So I don't think we got that.
2: Well, you know, <laughs> lover,
1: tinker, same a, thing. It was a lover of watching sports entertainment, but I I just saw right. a, still a lover, passion for being a lover.
0: Mm. <laughs> Well, I hope you appreciated the introductions that I wrote for all of you. I, 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 I took all editor. of five minutes to craft each one. <laughs> yes, thank Beautiful. you. Thank so you. yeah, welcome uh, to the Parlay at the Platter. How is it with all of you here virtually together in the Levitating Platter, whether some of you work together or you know some of you are just in similar fields, but maybe haven't had the opportunity to talk with each other before? Because if I recall, I think on Johnny's episode, he was saying, oh, I haven't had a chance to talk with Travis yet. But now I have the both of you in the same virtual room as it is.
1: Yeah, I think I met Travis the, for the first time when we did that one. Uh, it was some Twitch stream that we got to talk about yeah. football and D&D. I was actually able to get Miles Garrett involved in that one as like a kind of a last minute addition, which was which was fun, um, considering that I was with two all pros and then <laughs> just, you know, that I'm here too. Um, but yeah, Travis and I have been able to have some contact last uh, last couple of months too. So it's uh, it's awesome to be internet friends. We we haven't been able to meet in person yet.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's really fun to meet people that share different passions. You know, uh, we all can relate on several things since that's why we're here. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, having TTRPGs as a, a leveling ground uh, and then finding other things, you know, Kurt it was really interesting by uh, getting together with you over our share for beer um, mm-hmm. at, a, at a brewery in Dallas when I was down there. Um, so when I mean, you can find multiple interests and find ways to connect on multiple levels, like that's a, that's definitely a lot of fun.
0: Since this is kind of like a, a, uh, you know, like a panel style episode where the theme going into this is kind of like sports, athletics, and D&D. And so I prepared a list of questions and certainly invited y'all if, you know, you have a spur of the moment question that maybe you want to ask another panelist or something like that. But I didn't know how you kind of wanted to have this begin. What's the vibe of the, the virtual room, if you will?
1: I'm sure we'll get off on our own tangents with uh, with whatever question you wanna ask. So, fire away with questions, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear them. Yeah. Okay,
0: all right. Well, then we'll go with the easy one, the first one. What is your personal favorite sport to spectate?
1: Oh, that's a tough one because I, um, I don't know how if, how you felt about this, Travis, but while I was playing, um, I with the amount of football that I was around and the <laughs> film that I watched, i didn't find myself watching games in my own free time um, so i don't know if it's if, like now that I've, I've i've been off the team off a team since uh august of 2022 um i've definitely uh, it's hard to watch you know when you're not on a team it's, it's hard to like look at all the guys that like oh man i wish i was in that position i'm still trying to get back there my favorite sport growing up was always baseball And I just love, people get annoyed with the speed of the game. It's actually something that I love. I will say the new rule that has the pitch clock is awesome. And it makes games go by really fast, which is great. Again, that's relative because it's baseball. (laughs) But (laughs) I'd say baseball is probably my favorite sport to spectate. Awesome. Huge Dodger fan over here. I think for me, uh,
3: I I agree a little bit. Uh, It was really odd. I had no time, you know, we would occasionally watch a, a primetime game on uh, a Thursday or Sunday night, or maybe a Monday night, or something like that. Uh, but that was more of a it was more about the people that you were with than it was uh, the game. You know, football in America has been kind of a a meeting grounds of sort. Uh, it's a reason to get together, so that was usually the reason for those. That's why I was watching those. I, I do find myself watching more uh, now that I'm done, uh, mostly watching old teammates, uh, hoping that they don't get hurt and uh, wishing them success along the way, but. But honestly, my favorite sport to watch, I think, is hockey. I fell in love with hockey um, when I was in college. I got to go to my first game uh, at Wisconsin, and the Wisconsin team was great. Um, And then when I got to go to Dallas, I I ended up meeting someone down there that was able to uh, get me into games uh, fairly often. So I got to go to the Stars games pretty often, and and that was a lot of fun. So hockey's a, a great one for me.
2: Yeah. Um, so, uh, as someone who I, I played football in high school, uh, but I was too skinny to continue after like freshman year. Um, uh, I, have always enjoyed, uh, watching, um, football, but I think in particular for me, one of the things that I love most about watching sports in general is, um, the, the, electric atmosphere in uh, college games. I feel like uh, the crowd um, uh, is really like enthusiastic and invested in a way that at professional sporting events, right? Like you have adults who are like, oh, like I'm too sophisticated to, you know, rip my shirt off and and scream (laughs) at the top of my lungs for four hours. Uh, But, you know, college kids, they don't know any better. And so they really (laughs) uh, there's uh, an enthusiasm Not necessarily for the game, so much as it's just for the experience, I feel like. Uh, But I I love the energy um, uh, for college sports. So I I would say college football uh, probably first and foremost for me. Um, Although I do kind of want to bounce off of uh, something you said there, uh, Johnny, talking about like while you were playing, uh, you know, you have like no time and no desire to watch Uh, sports, because I feel like, and maybe this is the same for you, Travis, like where I'm at right now, where professionally, like my day job, I think about tabletop gaming, you know, like I wake up and I think tabletop gaming until I go to bed. I don't have the time or desire to like sit down and play a game for fun 90% of the time, because that's work. And I think one of the like things that I'm learning in my life right now is how to have a healthy divide between work and play and since tabletop gaming is my work I have to find other things to play right now which has actually caused me to get more into watching sports uh and more recently because I'm like oh I want to do something that isn't just sitting on my computer you know on on (laughs) Demi plane rolling up characters whatever and so I'm going and I'm you know Watching games at Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that, and and uh, digging back into sports, that I didn't have time to do for a, a few
3: years, uh, it, you know, kind of early early career. Yeah, it's funny how that works for me. It was almost the opposite of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. I used tabletop role playing games when I was playing football as an escape from from my day job. Absolutely. So, uh, now we work it. Now we get to work in tabletop role playing. Uh, you won't find me escaping back to football, but I do find <laughs> escape outside from there uh, the best that I can but uh, it was great for me um, to use to utilize the tabletop role-playing space as a way to get away from the everyday grind of, of football you know, there's a lot of opportunity there and it's a it's a really interesting field to be in and uh, you know I loved the time that I was in there but uh, you always have to find something else to get your mind off it otherwise you, you'll go crazy just studying over
1: and over and over all the time yeah the healthy balance of between like work and personal life whether that you know and it's it is funny because we like the two jobs especially like you travis have had is between two things that people normally think of as being play and right. when you're but when you're living it it's not it's it it does end up feeling like work it's the you know i think being an nfl player is the best job in the world awesome job but you know I, and i wouldn't trade it for the world but it's still work but you know like you said travis like the escape still needs to be something that is away from that so that's that's the whole reason why I found D&D in the first place. So how I found TTRPGs is when I was in college, I think it was my junior year, I was injured. I just wanted to like get away from football for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be able to experience something that I had thought about before, but never really had the time or opportunity to be able to dive in and uh, finally got to experience D&D. And it's, you know, history ever since then. But um, yeah, it's definitely been the way for me to be able to escape from uh, the job that is sports that I've had.
0: And unfortunately, I don't really have a a horse in this show uh, (laughs) because I I was more of the choir nerd and the the academic fine arts type. So I didn't really do any sports. I I mean, unless you consider my time in junior high when I was involved in the my junior high was involved in the Chuck Norris Kick Drugs Out of America Tang Soo Do program. So I did that (laughs) for a little bit and then, you know, kind of tried to keep up with martial arts here and there, uh, but never got. It would be like, uh, what was it, in, uh, in the office when Dwight Schrute was like, oh, yeah, I'm a white belt in, uh, in this form <laughs> of martial arts, but you've been doing it for 14 years and you've spent how much money? Yeah, no. So.
1: <laughs> well, as an unofficial ambassador to sports, we consider you one of us. Oh, thank Agreed. you. Uh,
0: well, it's like I've been adopted by my wife's family who are extreme sports lovers. So uh, with my living here in Dallas, it means I have to, you know, uh, root for the Sooners and and such, uh, which is like my wife and my mother-in-law's favorite team and what they say goes. Um, but I do have a fondness for the Aggies. And, uh, and like Josh, you know, a fondness for a division two, uh, like my college team, the Angelo State Rams, who I still personally maintain, um, got their logo copied by the Los Angeles Rams. Because the <laughs> logos are very suspect if you look at the two of them. And I think Angelo State's had their logo a little bit longer, so, but that's just my
1: thing. Interesting.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let's see, moving on and making sure we, we, uh, you know, put in some interesting questions that also involve D&D as well. Uh, I thought of this. How often do you find yourself using the athletic skill when you're playing a TTRPG? Should it be used more often or should there be like some other mechanic similar to it?
1: That's a tough one. I feel like it's something that gets like uh, crossed up with acrobatics a whole lot. And especially because strength is very specific to certain kinds of classes. Mm -hmm. Um, like unless you're a fighter a barbarian or a paladin there's not a whole lot of use for strength in a lot of the classes Um, and you know dexterity holds so much more like importance AC um, you know saves and people tend to use acrobatics as like a higher skill so like if it's climbing something a lot of times can I use acrobatics so well I don't really think of like an acrobat climbing something it's like that's an athletic skill but Mm -hmm. i don't know like i don't it is funny how it's like all encompassing at the same Mm -hmm. time because i like if you put me and simone biles next to each other it's like she'll be able to do a whole lot like some very different things a lot better than i could but it's Mm -hmm. still kind of the same same goal um so yeah i don't know it's kind of an interesting little thing i think i think athletics could probably be used more often uh, but i think it has its place you know grapple checks shoving i find myself uh Avoiding athletics, uh, and I don't know exactly why probably because
3: of the reason that, that Johnny laid out there that it's it's not necessarily quite as uh, overall useful, but I find myself trying to f- uh, finagle my way through things uh, utilize the the way of the word uh, to get out of situations <laughs> or uh, To directly derail the campaign. Uh, I've been known to, to take a left turn um, when it's a clear straightforward pathway I enjoy trying to talk my way out of situations, and I think uh, D and D and tabletop role playing games are a great place for that to happen because you can go through, you can try and get yourself an, an advantage. You can you can actually try and talk the GM into giving you you know either advantage or uh, you know some sort of bonus uh, just by what you have to say. So you can actually influence it more than just the dice. Uh, whereas athletics, uh, unless you get really creative in the way that you're doing it, it gets really hard to to modify that. So that's why I enjoy using the, you know, a charisma based check a little bit more than the athletics check.
2: Yeah. I feel like if, if I put my, you know, like game design hat on here for a minute, um, and, and I look at sports, right. I don't think, uh, like, Dodging a tackler or or blocking or evading a block is a strength only uh, Mm -hmm. skill check or or in some cases a dexterity only skill check. Um, And that's where I think uh, I really like the idea of tabletop games. um, Like, for instance, that comes to mind is, you know, the world of darkness systems where you can sometimes use two attributes to make a skill check because. Uh, I think that is maybe a little more reflective of real life. And I realize that I'm not answering the question and I'm deliberately dodging (laughs) it to talk about game design theory here for a minute. But I I, I think there's something to be said about uh, the, the, the ways in which we kind of simplify situations Uh, In order to gamify them. And I think, uh, like, the strength dexterity, like, split is something that's like a great example of that because I would wager that both Travis and Johnny here are probably much more agile than I am because they've had to be at a professional level. Um, Even though I'm certainly, like, not a very strong individual, which means, like, I. They, they, they just have me on all counts, right? And and, and so I, I think there's, it, it's not a dichotomy, is I think really what I, I'm getting at. But yeah, that's that's my
1: tangent. But it is funny <laughs> though, because d d does, like, it's not really well used, but there is that system of being able to transfer proficiency and a skill to another, like, stat. Yeah. So people, like, often will use, like, okay, I'll do an intimidation check, but use the strength score rather than the mm-hmm. charisma score. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, is there a way to use athletics in a stat that, like, isn't strength? Obviously, I think you can use in dexterity, which I think is probably a really good way of doing that kind of combo. It's not acrobatics, but you're also using more dexterity than strength. Yeah. So roll an athletics check using your dexterity. And I wonder if, like, there's probably not any kind of way to be able to do that with, like, intelligence or constitution or something. That probably is, like, we can probably creatively figure out something. I flex my um, brain harder to think better (laughs) <laughs> I think, though, you know, I could make an
3: argument for intelligence there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Johnny, as well as anybody, that leverage is key. It, yeah. You know, if you're going to block, if you're going to be moving Oh man wins. And, and leverage is not necessarily only a strength or uh, athletic-type movement. A lot of it has to do with how you position your body and how you take advantage of the snap count and how you uh, anticipate what a defender's going to do. So I it's think true. you could ar- make an argument uh, that intelligence could be could be kicked in there as well.
2: I I think in particular, you could also like if I was to try to gamify football into, you know, fifth edition rules, I would argue that like calling an audible at the line would be something like an athletics intelligence check because you're trying to like use your understanding of the playing field and the physicality of the guys in front of you to create an opening in a way that Requires a snap judgment as opposed to or maybe even wisdom. I don't know (laughs) Don't get me into the intelligence wisdom wisdom dichotomy. Anyways
0: (laughs) Well book smarts like memorizing the plays versus like how it's perceived on the field in the moment that Mm -hmm. might be the
1: difference between Intelligence uh, versus wisdom. I suppose Mm -hmm. that's definitely Mm -hmm. like a specific skill like I have known plenty of guys who would probably rank low on the intelligence stat (laughs) <laughs> but, are, but know this know this like the playbook, like the back of their hand. It's like, it's specifically something that you learn how to learn mm-hmm. as a football player. And I'm not gonna name any names. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're getting some interesting discussions here. Yeah, I'm liking this. Uh, let's see, moving along. How did your love of sports translate into a love of tabletop gaming?
2: Well, apparently I'm a lover according
1: to Johnny, so. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> That's according to Kurt. Okay. Okay, fair point. I'm not going to answer this one first again. I've already yeah, had Josh, go ahead.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, one of the, the defining characteristics of who I am as a person is that I pick something and I hyper-focus on it. I think that's called ADHD. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, in particular for me, for things that tend to be hobbies, uh, like both sports and at least initially uh, tabletop role-playing games... It, it's something that, since it started as an escape from school or work or whatever, um, it's that thing that you uh, think about while you're at the day job or in school, and don't particularly want to be, you know, paying attention in math class or in that big meeting that could have been an email. Um, and so it just kind of starts as that thing that like rolls around in your brain, and, and you can't get rid of it. So. I, I don't know that like it's necessarily a one-to-one comparison just like a general like enthusiasm for things that spark joy.
3: Yeah, I like that I think for me um, the ability to have a new and different challenge is where that came in you know I, I fell in love with sports uh, because well I was good at them naturally but two like it would, everything was different every play is different. You can run the same play hundred times against the same opponent and, and you're gonna end up in a different. A different place um, and that's one of the special things about TTRPGs is you can run the same campaign you know a hundred different times and I promise you're not gonna end up in the same place or have the same exact story uh, the sandbox nature of it and the, the collaborative storytelling aspect uh, that it contains um, makes it different and challenging every time that you do it um, and, and, and in turn makes it interesting every time you do it um, and I think that's where it has translated a little bit as well. for me
1: yeah, for me, it is um, it is funny just how much they do relate because an old adage is like, sports is the greatest drama. Like there is no better storytelling than a really great sports game. And I think the best way that you can kind of relate the two is, okay, if I describe a group of people coming together to defeat overwhelming odds, did that describe a D&D party or does that describe your favorite team's like comeback victory, like to, to win the game? Like, it's, it's it's very much just storytelling altogether. You know, you're trying to get past conflict, and that's what the best kind of storytelling does. Uh, that's what gets you excited. That's what gets you coming back. And that's, like, the biggest fans that I know are sports fans and TTRPG fans, and there's not that much difference between the two.
0: And then let's see. How have your athletic abilities and skills impacted your role-playing in a TTRPG?
3: I think... Uh... For me, um, it's led me to be a little bit more creative. Uh, I would not uh, call myself a creative uh, or an artist by any means. I don't. I don't have a lot of the skills to, you know, put art on paper or, or write a song or anything like that. But my creativity comes in the in the realm of problem solving, and uh, that was something that is probably one of my best athletic abilities was solving problems and, and you know, in turn in reading defenses and things like that. But Problem-solving is a, a very quick and easy transition into tabletop games. You know, it's all about problem-solving. It's about how you can get your group from one point to another or overcome a, a challenge or something like that. So I think uh, it has made me a better uh, player of these games because it uh, it has led me to problem-solve first um, instead of trying to attack or, you know, trying to immediately uh, engage in a situation.
2: I like that. I, I, I think... So, so when I'm role playing a character, you know, I try to find touchstones, things that, um, you know, I can relate to that I think other people can relate to. Um, I, I try to find, you know, the, the, the humanizing elements of that character. And so while uh, I was never uh, a professional athlete, I did play a variety of sports, you know, throughout my childhood. And so we'll sometimes draw from those experiences to connect to a fighter or to a barbarian or a a character who likes to get, you know, down and dirty uh, in in the front line, so to speak. Uh, I would approach this question just simply from the more experiences you have and and the wider variety of experiences that you have, the more uh, you're able to connect with different types of characters. And so I, I tend to pull on experiences playing sports when I play characters who might, you know, play a sport of some variety, uh, or, or pull on a competitive, you know, character, someone who has a competitive nature. I think that's really the touch point for me is, okay, how do I get in the head of this character? And then how do I take those lived experiences that I've had and translate them into this fictional world, into this character who isn't quite me, but is, you know, a a shadow of me or shares some of my attributes. And so having something to connect
1: to there uh, makes it really easy to step into the shoes of that character. Yeah. For me, I think, um, I, I think you might've mentioned this at the very beginning. I spent a lot more time playing quarterback than any other position in my football career I played it all the way through college, all the way through high school, and just changed when I got to the NFL. And I think one of the defining characteristics of a quarterback is kind of the leader of the offense. And I think that comes out a lot when I do role play. Um, not intentionally so, because nobody likes somebody who like hogs a spotlight or like always tries to like go in front of the uh, the party to be, to be the face like in every single character. But I think it also has helped me in other ways because what is being a quarterback, but like just basically being like a really good point guard, just getting assists, right? Like you're just trying to hand off success to other guys. And I think that's something that I've really been able to take to while role playing is being able to turn the spotlight to somebody else uh, and show that like, you know, give them the big moment, like recognizing someone's strength or something that they're trying to set up for like a character arc or growth or something and be able to turn to that to be spotlight and help them have a moment at the table which is always my favorite part of playing
2: well and i I think there is something to be said about like the archetypes in in characters i think of like a a captain america type character who Mm -hmm. because they have the respect of everyone on the team people look to them as a natural leader because they know them and trust their judgment and I think the quarterback in a lot of ways should at least strive to have that kind of relationship with the folks on the team where people say, right. yeah, like you're going to make this play call and we're going to go along with it because we know you and we trust you and we respect that you're going to make the decision that you know makes the most sense in this scenario. I'd like to think so.
0: Does that translate across all the other sports, whether it's like, um, you know, the captain of a basketball team? Uh, I don't know if there's a similar position on baseball or or (laughs) even in a hockey team, which I know after listening to an episode of No Dumb Questions to explain the concept of the game and basically how it's like rugby on skates and how there is like this whole, uh, you know, gnarly physicality to it. But yet also there's like this implied tactical Uh, nature to the game as well
1: yeah i mean i think that there's probably just having a leadership capability in general like if you're naturally somebody who tends to get in front of people and try to lead them i think that you would probably fall into that role in general and you'd probably be able to fit into certain roles on on a field or on a court more naturally than others
2: i think like from like a sociology perspective anytime you get a group of people together whether it's in some kind of organized structure like a team, or if it's just you know a group of people hanging out, there will kind of always be a uh, natural tendency to identify someone who is the leader of the group. So even if there's a team sport that doesn't have an identified captain or, or leadership type position, I think anytime you put people in the same space to do something together, um, someone will step to the plate and be that kind of captain figure um and and so you know i I think about all tabletop groups that i've been in right gm aside even in like gm-less games there's oftentimes a person who takes the initiative to say okay well we need to make a decision let's do this thing or hey uh we want to do x y and z and you know let's call some shots just so that way like you know we're all on the same page um, and I think that just happens naturally anytime you put people in the same place.
0: I think Johnny alluded to this earlier, but is there more storytelling in sports than what appears on the surface? Whether that is, you know, like, you know, oh, the, the narrative of the team making their comeback or is it like, you know, the drama that would make like, uh, you know, like a popular streaming service like, oh, like Ted Lasso or something like that, you know, where it's like oh, the lives of these uh, these characters or these uh, the, the sports management
1: staff or whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. There's never been a good sports movie ever. I don't know. I've never heard of the movie Rudy or Hoosiers or anything like that. No, I mean, obviously there's plenty of like just great storytelling naturally in sports without the over dramatization of Hollywood. Um, You know, just watch any team's uh, championship documentary that comes out after every, like after every championship, you know, there's, they come out, like they edit together just like the points of, of conflict of, rising from the ashes about the one player who came back in the middle of the year, who was able to, you know, lead the team to clinch, you know, a clutch victory. So yeah, there's, there's obviously um, a huge amount of storytelling in sports and that's why people watch. They, they wouldn't, uh, if it was just watching numbers go up on a scoreboard, then it wouldn't be interesting. Uh, It's, it's about the people. It's about the characters. It's about, yeah, getting past conflict. Yeah, I agree. I think I think sports, uh, even individual sports, bring
3: just a level of drama that's that's unmatched anywhere else. You know, Uh, team sports, when you bring a group of people together and put them, uh, task them with overcoming a a challenge, uh, you know, in in every sport is that way. The goal is to win the championship, regardless of if you're the worst team in the league or the best team in the league. It's still hard. And uh, that's going to be a challenge. And there's there are countless storylines throughout a season. You know, you have intra-team dynamics, you have inter-team dynamics, you have the pressures of the outside, you have, uh, you know, the way that the media is going to portray certain things versus the realities of it. And, um, you know, it makes for good TV. It makes for great entertainment. That's why it's one of the, you know, greatest uh, bits of entertainment in America right now is people want to watch that. They want to relate to that and they want to be a part of it. You know that's why you have fandoms that are so deep uh it's because they want to be a part of that story uh and they get to be and when their team wins the championship you bet that they're going to show up for the parade because that's their bit that's their part in the celebration of the victory uh that the
1: group did so i think it's uh, i think it's really closely related and even outside of like the normal season like it doesn't even have to be going towards a championship but like the amount of people that get stoked for hard knocks every year, which is just three preseason games and like, what, yep. like two and a half weeks, three weeks of preseason practices, but you just right. latch on to the characters that the editors are able to like uplift and mm-hmm. tell these amazing stories out of just film that they're able to get from natural, like naturally occurring uh, interactions that happen within the building. Yep. Yeah, so um...
2: Out of college, I started working in healthcare, and um, I had this lofty ambition to get a work game going where I took, you know, co-workers from the office to come and play uh, D&D with me. And in order to convince uh, one of the guys in the office who was like kind of interested, he'd heard of D&D before, but didn't really know what it was, in order to convince him to come and join this office game. I was basically like, look, you get to make your own WWE character and you get this storyline. Do you want to be a hero? Do you want to be a villain? Like you get to have signature moves and like cool looks and you get this storyline throughout the course of the campaign where you can have character growth and accomplish these things and get revenge on the guy who, you know, beat you early on and do all this stuff. And he was like oh, well, when you put it like that, that sounds super cool. I'm so into it. And uh, yeah, I, I convinced a dude to play D&D because he could make a WWE character. And <laughs> lo and behold, uh, he made a rogue and didn't actually do any of the WWE stuff, but he got the idea <laughs> from understanding you know, the, the the powerful narratives in sports and seeing how that could tie into a,
1: a tabletop game. And, and that's what got him excited about it. And that's all WWE and professional wrestling is, it's just like enhanced storytelling within sports. Yeah,
2: it's extremely physical acting.
1: Yeah.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, Joshua, but wasn't Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I know he played football in Florida before he made his way to the WWE,
1: right? Uh,
3: that
0: mm-hmm. sounds right, yeah.
3: Yeah, he played in Miami.
1: Yeah. It was Hurricanes. Yeah. Oh, the Hurricanes. Sorry. It was Miami. Yeah. And then Brock Lesnar played where? I forget where Who's Brock Lesnar. He played for the Vikings for like a preseason or something. And then there's another guy, I think, Titus Johnson, Titus something. Uh, he's a former Florida Gator.
2: Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brock Lesnar. I'm sure there,
1: there are tons of, of former football players that are in the WWE.
2: Google says that Brock Lesnar went to the University of Minnesota.
1: Okay. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. makes sense. He ended up as a Viking.
2: Yeah. I mean, at the very least, at my high school, I know that a lot of the guys on the football team were wrestling in the offseason and, uh, and then they were encouraged to do that because one, you still get mm-hmm. to you know compete in some in some way, and two, you're learning skills that are kind of you know uh, compatible to the types of things you're doing in football. Um, and and I, I had friends in high school who, okay, like I did football and then I did wrestling, and actually I prefer wrestling more. Or folks who were in wrestling and then someone said, hey, you should consider playing football, and they did, and they made the switch in high school. Uh, Because the two have similar skill sets, but one of them, you know, like just scratches that itch uh, a little bit differently for them.
1: Now, if you had somebody that does both and then got them into drama class, that's how you build a WWE wrestler. It's true. Wow. Wow.
0: (laughs) The perfect build. Before the advent of a game like Blood Bowl, did you ever try to simulate sports in a fantasy tabletop game?
3: I never did, uh, you know. I'll admit, I'll be the, the first to admit that. But I did play. Uh, so my, my business partner Peter um, was. He's our forever jam. And uh, Peter created a game that was uh, an offshoot of soccer and hockey that was played on hoverboards, and created all of the uh, <laughs> created all of the mechanics of it. We were playing Star Wars, uh, what is now called Saga Edition, uh, back in the day. But Wizard of the Coast D20. It was really a 3.5 offshoot but uh, he created this all of these rules and how you could go and play this game um, and so it was really interesting to to see sports depicted in that way uh, we also did a, a sort of a pod racing thing um, you know all of those uh, you would argue that that's definitely sports too it's interesting when you try to play that in these systems um, because it's such a micro event in the in comparison to how you play big politics and larger scale games, um, within, within tabletop games, but, but it was fun. It was interesting and it definitely was a changeup.
2: Yeah. Um, that same guy from my, uh, old office game, um, was a big baseball fan. And so, uh, one of the things that, um, once we started kind of getting into, um, talking about tabletop gaming, he, Uh, was like, hey, I feel like you could make a baseball tabletop role playing game because how like the numbers all kind of just like flow together, particularly, you know, he wanted to like simulate seasons to come up with a game where you could like manage like a team. And so we started theory crafting. We never actually like did it, but uh, it it was going to be D100 based and play a little bit like the, the way the Cortex system plays, but for teams and games as opposed to, you know, individual characters. But yeah, we, we were basically going to just like steal, you know, like a, the MLB, the show, like stat ratings for players, and then just kind of shuffle in, uh, whatever we could, um, theory crafting never actually did anything with it, but, um, I, I have like a half page of notes somewhere for how to play baseball as a tabletop game.
1: Yeah. I know that dimension 20 in their. um, fantasy high season that they did um, something that was like very similar to football but I don't even think that they actually made it like part of the game they just had like I think um, Lou Wilson's character rolled a natural 20 and then just like he got kicked off the team or something which was like (laughs) I I think a great like it was a great moment early on in in that first season as far as me playing something I've never put it into a game I think within the fantasy like world it's hard to be like such a a side uh, session that i think would really only end up working if you have like a really mm-hmm. really regular like weekly game where you get to take a break it's kind of like a tournament kind of arc where you get to go through and like start you know try to beat to get the champion i will however uh, I, i'm planning on just with you know a million other things going on i think i told travis about it already a little bit last earlier this year i still plan on wanting to do a football TTRPG in like the realm of friday night lights I think it would be awesome to be able to kind of build up like the the drama of the interpersonal relationships and having to balance school life and football life and um and then personal life and just really kind of building out the archetypes of characters and i think that'd be really fun i i it's it's on my to-do list at some point (laughs) um and i have some some cool people involved with it but uh, tm 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 yeah that's
2: that's a neat concept. Uh, I'll be excited to see it when it comes out. Um, <laughs> I, it just occurred to me, I did once play bocce ball in a D&D session. This was a weekly game. And basically it was roll a D20 and then roll another D20 and whoever gets closest to the first D20 uh, <laughs> result gets it. Um, but yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, we, we had like a, a local bocce tournament at the, the, the neighborhood tavern and uh, our team lost for the record. <laughs>
0: All right, and keeping on with the questions. Who, in your opinion, is one of the greatest athletes in history, alive or dead, and why?
1: It's always the hardest question (laughs) to answer. Like, old heads will say Jim Thorpe, who is, like, absolutely dominant in his era. Mm. But if you had Jim Thorpe on today's football field, it's a different, like, story. I actually saw a very funny tweet. (laughs) Mm. and, And stay with me here. It says... I don't care what anyone says. Jerry Rice could not make it in today's NFL with the talent, the skill level, the athleticism. Jerry Rice would just not be able to. I mean, he's sixty years old. <laughs> and yeah. Just yeah. like the last <laughs> line is like, "Oh yeah, okay." Back to the question. I think it's hard. It's obviously hard to say. I mean, I think Bo Jackson is the platonic answer, one of the greatest athletes of all time, multiple you know sports was able to be at a caliber that not many people are able to make. But I think if you, if you don't respect what Shohei Otani is doing right now, then you're living under a rock because he is you know, it's only half the season, but he is doing something that no, that does not compare to any sport. Like nobody, nobody has ever played at like an all-star level, both as a quarterback and as a safety. You know, like the closest thing is like maybe Deion Sanders, like, but he wasn't playing necessarily like the highest level possible. And he wasn't just playing corner and like returner. So, yeah, it's Shohei Otani. I think, you know, say what you will about baseball players being athletes. I still think it's incredibly hard with what they're doing. Um, and I think he is more dominant right now than most people have, like than the most greatest players have ever been. Yeah, I
2: mean, I fully agree with you about about Shohei Otani. Um, He's the reason that I actually care about what's happening in baseball right now, for the record. Uh, Like, I I normally, I just don't follow it. But, uh, you know, I saw something at the start of the year, and I was like, oh, let me go just, like, take a quick look and see what's up. Um, And you make a great point. Uh, You know, when it comes to, like, greatest of all time arguments, I just always, I go back to... Your Michael Jordan versus your LeBron James. I think Kobe Bryant deserves a mention in there. Aside from talking about specifically basketball players, I, I have a hard time uh, staking any claims, but I, I will say that I have a lot of respect for Emmett Smith as a football player. Um, I feel like he, in a lot of ways, I have to be careful with my words here because Travis was on the same team. I, I, I
0: think he did
2: something that, uh, was really impressive, uh, for a running back to, uh, in a lot of ways, carry the, um, scoring for the Cowboys offense for a couple of years there. Not to say that there weren't other contributors on the teams. He was perhaps the playmaker for a few years there. Um, is is that a fair assessment travis feel free to correct me i th- i think that's
3: fair you know i think you know when you start to talk about a great running back you should also talk about the offensive line that obviously <laughs>
2: I, I i rescind um, my previous statement
3: travis frederick no. <laughs> best football player of all time no 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 not me the offensive line that was there <laughs> with him uh but yes no no i agree um really really dynamic and you know there's a reason that he holds records still today. Uh, I think for me, one of the maybe it's a product of you know when I grew up and and the spectacle around it, but watching Michael Phelps uh, do what he did uh, over the course of several several years uh, really was impressive. You talk about the amount of success that he was able to achieve uh, over that time, historically, was even you know outrageously good. Um, So, I think definitely worth uh, mentioning in the conversation.
0: Like I said, you know, I'm the total neophyte in this audience. So, you know, I'm just trying to think of like other uh, big ones that I'm sure people would love for me to shout out. I mean, we're here in Dallas and Texas. And so I'm sure Nolan Ryan's got to get a shout out, not only just for the fact that he punched a dude on the mound and, you know, everyone loves him for that. I guess my first sports team that I remember ever gravitating towards was the Houston Astros. And I know, say what you will about any, um, you know, scandals and you know whether they deserve championships or not, but I still love my Houston Astros. And I remember one of the first players I ever liked mm, was like great Jeff Bagwell, because oh, he was like the first baseman and he he was he was cool. And I still love the Astros. I mean, the uniforms, the colors, it's all it's all great, and it's like my my piece of nostalgia for home. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of great athletes out there, of course, you know, uh, across history and across all sports and divisions and uh, areas of play. And for some reason, my mind just wants to say, you know, I also think Andre the Giant would have been a cool dude to get to know in person, figuratively and literally larger than life and just seemed like a good dude.
1: Yeah, can't disagree with you there.
0: All right, and then let's see. To follow up the previous question, what kind of D and D or TTRPG character would the person that you chose be in a game, and why? So if you had to gamify the person that you just named, what kind of D and D TTRPG character do you think they would best uh, exemplify, and why?
1: I mean, I think the most versatility you get on the field is like from, or for uh, you know that you get from a character is probably like a, a battle master fighter or something. I think Bo Jackson probably fits well as that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to like think about Shohei, probably. I mean, what can you do like with a can you make a level 20 character in two different classes? Like That's like that's basically what he's doing for <laughs> anybody who like doesn't know about Shohei Otani and only knows D&D. Like imagine making like two high level characters, but like combining them into one. Like that's basically what he's doing.
2: Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, I, I I think for Emmett Smith, I would just have to go with Rogue uh, because talk about slipperiness one, uh, and you just get a lot of movement speed as a Rogue. But uh, maybe like an Arcane Trickster Rogue. I feel like he had some moves.
1: <laughs> arcane Trickster Rogue <laughs> with like 18 strengths score. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had,
2: had a huge strength. But uh, yeah. going back to my previous point about strength and dexterity, you kind of. Separate them, but mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like they go so well together in in uh, skill positions.
3: You know, I think you know, just to be different, I will classify uh, Michael Phelps as a barbarian and some sort of uh, you know, <laughs> archetype <laughs> off of that. But I feel like there's a you know some level of focus that goes into that. You know, you could see before a race uh, the focus that he put himself mm-hmm. into, so almost like a rage, not necessarily a fit of uncontrollable rage that you may. You know, automatically think of when you think of rage but uh really some sort of hyper focused rage where uh you know, that's all that mattered at that time um and his ability to channel that and compete at the level that he did for those periods of time like i think it just i think you could relate that
0: oh and then perfectly he would go with the mercer barbarian subclass of the yeah. the duck toad <laughs> oh, right. water yeah, off yeah, the was. back and stuff like that <laughs> I had four last questions that I had thought up and you know, trying to get into some meaty stuff to really get into this intersection between sports, athletics, and D&D, so. Do you think there still is a culture, quote unquote, war or stigma between the arts and sports? Why or why not?
1: I don't know if it's a war. I don't know if it, like, I'm I'm sure at times that was something that was a little bit more vitriolic between the two, like jock versus nerd type thing, but it's definitely, been there's been work to break it down that's definitely something that like I have been trying to like do in a way in my own little way I I think in the very near future like within a week or so I'm planning on starting a little bit of like a, a TikTok like playlist type thing I am teaching and alternating episodes and relating it within the terms that they understand Sports to TTRPG nerds, TTRPG to like sports nerds, jocks, it, like those, those people. So, and I'm calling it athletics check and I'm going like week, you know, hopefully like every other day oh, or wow. so release a new episode where I'm making those. Um, this is a kind of announcement. I haven't talked about this with anybody and awesome. where I'm relating them in like their own terms, The teaching, you know, sports fans, like all the D&D classes I'm teaching TTRPG nerds who don't know nothing about sports, like all the football positions, and trying to relate them, like, okay, what sports player would be, you know, this class? And um, so, yeah, that's something that I'm I'm trying to, in my own little way, do to break down the jock versus nerd binary. You just got my follow on TikTok. Nice.
2: Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm really glad you uh, mentioned the jock versus nerd dichotomy, because my first thought when Kurt asked the question was, I think of that dichotomy as being something tied to school. Uh, because in particular, high school, college levels, you typically have two programs that are competing for you know funding. Uh, and so that's, I think, where, uh, if we trace like the origin back, that's probably where a lot of um, that kind of uh, divide in terms of, of ideologies comes from. You have two kind of competing values that are both going for the same resources. Um, and I just think historically, right, uh, Let me flex a degree here really quickly. You go back (laughs) to, to like, you know, uh, Greek culture, uh, particularly, like, philosophy. They talked about these uh, uh, warrior kings or uh, the the philosophical, you know, term that they would call would would be philosopher kings, right? People who ruled both uh, with, like, military strength as the kings, but also had great intellectual strength um, as, as the philosophers. And so, like, historically, I don't think the two have really... Um, been in opposition to one another until we introduce the capitalist system that makes us compete with one another for money. Um, And and so all that to say, I don't think there's anything um, that really truly sets us at odds there, except for uh, competing for for resources. So I, I think A lot of things that we learn in school are hard to unlearn. A lot of things that we learn growing up are hard to unlearn. And so some of those ideas may have stuck around, but uh, I think that um, the two really go hand in hand together to create well rounded people and a well rounded society. Uh, And so uh, I am all in on any efforts and activities to uh, try to countermand that kind of messaging that people may still have
3: i i think the great uniter is high school musical uh i think uh you know when we were kids uh, it's funny how this turns around my kids are now in high school musical but uh you know that was that was the first time like there was a a, an active movement to you know to to unite those things and and cross those paths. i agree a lot with josh and what you say there about competing for resources um, you know, the the thing that I you know would add to that is I think the greatest resource in all of our lives is time. And time is what I think you're competing for more than anything. To be great at anything, you have to invest your time and energy into it. And so you find people that that want to be good at sports or their coach wants them to be good. and so they say, hey, you know, when you have free time outside of school, you need to be lifting or you need to be practicing. You need to be doing these other things. And it's the same thing with the arts. You know, you need to be practicing, you need to be uh, singing or you need to, you know, go do what what that is because you're only going to get better with practice. Uh, there are very few people in life that can just naturally uh, do anything uh, with, without the practice. And so when you're competing for time and in, in trying to decide what you want to do, it makes it really difficult uh, for people to be well-rounded and i think that's why you don't find um, as many people that are that that are great at both because it just takes a lot of time and effort to do it um, and and when you choose to do those things you sacrifice something else uh, there's always that i agree and i think that uh, there's been a lot of moves made in the right direction um, and things like what johnny are doing it is uh, really helpful um, in helping to break down some of those barriers but I think talking about it in general is is the best way to break down the barriers, and I feel like that's uh, something that is true in a lot of different cases. But you know, things like even this, you know, the show that we're doing tonight, you know, having a conversation about it, like those things are um, bring up good conversations between other people. Uh, when you have two guys on a football team that you would have never expected uh, both enjoy anime or both enjoy doing, you know, all of a sudden they're uniting over it where they weren't talking about it before, and I think. Uh, You know in what I get to do now, I get to see a lot of statistics. I get to see a lot of market research and uh, the the numbers are pretty wild uh, and nobody talks about it, you know You don't hear about it in the public about people that are playing tabletop role-playing games or people that are doing certain things And it's because uh, for some reason they feel like they shouldn't be talking about it or can't talk about it Um, But once they have somebody that they relate to that uh, does it or makes it uh, more acceptable or reduces the stigma Then you start to talk about it and you can really realize the power of any of that, whether that's being creative, whether that's, you know, enjoying sports as a creative, whether that's crossing those boundaries uh, in, in different ways as well.
0: Should we introduce more art into the sports world or should more sports be introduced into the arts world at the junior high, high school level at college? Should we be doing that continuously through the education process?
1: I mean the more you intertwine the two i think the better off you are um it's tough to say like i think high schools are it's very disparate across the country like with how much funding they get in general and you know only with funding can you actually have them like actually be doing things um so yeah i remember when i was in high school we we had this new sports facility um like a it was a three-story building that had classrooms in it but also had like a football office football weight room weight um like a locker room, um, like all these different things, and for the opening of it, the football team went out there with like the choir, and then ended up like singing a song or something. It's so interesting. I like yeah, it's, it's a little thing, um but you know, the more the more you can get those two groups to interact with each other, the better you are. I don't know how necessarily you'd be able to get like the sports into the arts um in in the high school levels and, and in college i think it's interesting because i think the really only way that it like overlaps is through like probably band uh, or at least that's like the most visible way of it interacting um during in between plays at, at halftime and you know during timeouts you have the band performing but uh, outside of that there's not really a whole lot that interacts between the two within college because i think You know, high school is so much smaller of a community, a college community is so big that it's hard to be able to get a whole lot of communication between the two. So I don't know what, you know, what way to really have those two two interact in college.
0: You said that and that reminded me of like, oh yeah, actually uh, in my college days at Angelo State, I was in the basketball pep band. So even though I'm a mediocre (laughs) bass guitar player, I signed up and was able to play bass guitar. And so we had our little section of the bleachers in the Stevens Arena and so I'd be there right next to all the percussion section down at the front. And then we've got all the woodwinds and the brass as they start trailing up and up and up in our section. And so, yeah, like during uh, the men's and the women's basketball games, we'd be playing little stingers, awesome. or like little set pieces and stuff like that. And yeah. During that time, yeah, I did care more about basketball games and stuff like that, and we got really into like razzing the other team. We jingle the keys and be like, (laughs) "Start the bus, start the bus!" And you know, sometimes we had to be like, "Okay, let's rein it back. We're getting a little, we're getting a little too rowdy and stuff like that." But yeah, no, that's a great example that reminded me of like, "Oh yeah, being able to be in the pet band got me to care more about basketball at least for a time." And
2: and and I think you know the question is you know should we integrate the two more and i i i feel like the answer is yes and the new question becomes how do we do that and i don't have a great answer for that question but you know i I do think as, as has already been pointed out right you think about band you think about cheer and dance as as forms of arts um i mean i even think about you know uh like there's people who are, you know, doing sound mixing and putting together the playlists that play during athletics games. You know, um, the, the, the videographers, the folks who are putting together uh, tape. You know, I, I um, have studied film uh, for, for some time in school. And so I think of that as an art form um, and, and, and think of it more broadly as being part of the arts. And so there's certainly a lot of ways in which the two worlds do already cross over. Um, and so I think the question uh, is how can we do that more, and that's the challenging thing because we have to actually think outside of our own experiences and say, "Hey, what can we do to make this better?" Right? To to take the way that things are and improve them in a way that hasn't been done before.
3: Yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, kindness and understanding, right? It's it's about having those conversations and. Uh, it's difficult to do, especially at the college level. Uh, you know, you're busy, everyone's focused on the things that they need to, especially in, in athletics. You know, uh, you have a job and your job is to do those things, but uh, to take a moment and slow down once a week and, and just understand what somebody else does in the building that helps you, whether that's the video team or uh, it's the marketing team that's putting together creative to go do that, it's the sound mixer, it's all of those. Like it, to take a minute to understand what they do, and that their job is difficult too. It's it's different. Um, everyone has a job, and for the production that is a football game or uh, you know a sports game, there are so many different things that go into it. And there, uh, it's really easy to look past that and only focus on your job. But when you take a step back and look at the broader picture, uh, there's so much that goes into it. And I think that. Being able to do that at a, at a younger level would be even be better. You know, to understand, you know, take a moment for the football team to go visit, uh, you know, the the band and understand how they work together as a team. What, what's different about the teamwork uh, in a band versus, uh, you know, on the field? And, and how can you take the best things from one world and translate them into a different world uh, to be more successful in the church round
0: Remembering in elementary school music class is a lot of like, you're playing music, you're playing simple instruments, but you're also moving around the classroom. And so you're doing these real kinetic kinesiology type of thingamabobs um, while you're getting involved. And so what Travis was saying is like, yeah, that'd be really, that would have been cool for me in junior high, or high school, if that had been something like where, hey, the basketball team is gonna sit in on a choir practice because they're gonna learn how you guys work in harmony with supporting each other when it comes to different parts of the music. Or, you know, uh, maybe the band sits in on like a, Swimming match, uh, and they're watching them. Like, how do they move through the water? And so, what are the ways that you can incorporate it feels that? Feels very much playing? like an, either
1: an episode of Ted Lasso or of Glee, and I can't tell yeah, which. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the crossover. Maybe yeah. <laughs>
0: I remember in college in my music undergraduate classes for conducting, um, we did have to go to the university pool. And so to learn the feel of how your arms should move when you're conducting so you have the resistance of the water, I remember that was, you know, something that we physically had to do that kind of got us out of our normal music building and brought us to another part of campus. So, yeah, I think, yeah, we should do that across the board, you know, incorporate the two, this more work and play, play and work sort of give and take. Okay, getting to my last two questions that I have that I have thought of. Let's see. Now, being so involved in the TTRPG hobby with your positions of leadership, how have your views or perceptions changed concerning the sports industry?
1: That everybody needs a hobby. <laughs> everybody needs a hobby because it's just, I, I'm, like I said, I'm a very big advocate of being able to have that work life balance and just being able to, as we all said, escape from your job you know and even in as a high school or college athlete it's very much a job at that point because you're spending so much of your life doing it you need to have something to be able to get your mind off of it so you know i think all my teammates have had that uh, you know whether it's video games reading you know just anything that you can keep to yourself even i think there are obviously examples of like the greats who it's like that's their whole life like bill belichick i don't think bill belichick has a hobby Like, I think I'd I'd be surprised if any head coach in the NFL has a hobby. That's why they got there. But uh, I think for 99% of the population, you need to be able to just escape from it for a little bit.
2: Yeah. I I, I think one of the things that I better appreciate, especially in in recent years, um, one of the great privileges, but also the great challenges of being in any kind of public eye uh, is the pressure that comes with it. Um, and I think having not competed on quite the same level as as these guys have, um, I have a newfound respect for the folks who can show up and perform under pressure day in and day out um, because there's so many eyes on you. Uh, and I'm thinking particularly in, in the realm of, you know, like influencing and, and content creation here, but comparing this back to sports, I think there are, is certainly a lot of eyes on you and a lot of expectations that are placed on you that you maybe necessarily don't place on yourself. Um, you know, you're trying to just show up and get the job done, and people are expecting this thing of you or that thing of you or this other thing of you. And just because they expect those things of you, if you don't do them, they might feel you know disappointed and feel let down because you didn't do the thing that you didn't actually know you were signed up to do in the first place um i have a newfound respect for um, i think the weight that you carry uh, in the public eye uh from my time here in the tabletop industry and i don't think it's a bad thing uh by any means to have that pressure and, and to have You know, that feeling of all eyes on you. Um, I I said earlier, I feel like it's a responsibility and a privilege. And I mean that, but it is definitely something that uh, I look at athletes now who are like cool under pressure. And I'm like, man, you know, I've got I've got my my measly, you know, 10 to 20,000 followers on the Internet. Uh, If I had that many eyes, live television on me, live in the stadium on me every single night, I I think I would lose my cool.
3: (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, I I understand. I I hear what you're saying. I I think for me, uh, it's been really interesting to make the transition uh, from sports into tabletop. Um, And and really, I think it's more the transition from sports to business um, and how much translates over. After having been involved in it uh, and, and learning... The ability for leadership skills to move over, how teamwork works, how um, goal setting and organization and all of those things that, you know, when you think about football and professional athletes, uh, you, know, you think that they're good at what they do, and then they retire and they go away. You know, you, you don't hear about them anymore. They just fade into the dark, but uh, a lot, uh, most, if not all of them go and do something else too. And, uh, you know, I never thought about what that transition was going to be like. and. and what skills would translate over and it's it's pretty amazing other than i don't you know push people around uh, you know josh can attest to that i don't actually push anyone around in the business uh you know all, most other skills have translated over and uh it's really made me step back and respect other people that have made those transitions and, and you know whether they're going into real estate or they go into uh you know whatever it is um it's, it's a really interesting thing to step back and look at former athletes
0: uh, and how that transition's worked. And then the last question that I have prepared, and then it's a free for all after this for all I know, but with the rise of streaming and esports, what can the major sports leagues and franchises learn from the gaming world?
2: As the, the college sports fan here, I'll say something that they have already learned in recent years is if you pay your talent, the entire ecosystem does better. Um, and and I, I think that's something that eSports figured out pretty early on, uh, paying you know, even as young as, as high schoolers to, to compete at a professional level. And so seeing that now take place in, in uh, you know, the NCAA for athletes to be able to be paid for the use of their likeness, I... That's something that I'm excited about as a huge improvement for um, the sports world. Uh, so, uh, change is already happening, and it's good in my mind.
1: I'm still so over here trying to think of one.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see how how esports grows um, and, and, and streaming in comparison to sports. You know, there's a. I think there still is a pretty large dichotomy between scripted streaming um, whether that's uh, you know recorded shows or you know planned episodes and sports and and part of that comes with the ability to write the script and the chaos and unpredictability that is sports Um, and you may relate reality tv to the chaos and unpredictability of, of major sports but that's what makes them different and different is good in this case you know they both are great uh, and there's a reason for both of them. So, uh, introducing, you know, and sharing concepts there may not necessarily be the best. Uh, you know, maybe maybe what they learn here is that it's important that they embrace uh, what they're good at and, and embrace the way that the the fan base uh, enjoys it. It'll be interesting to see how it how it continues to grow and uh, if those things come closer together, stay the same, or
1: it farther apart. It is funny the way that. Um... The question is word, and we have a little list of the questions here. The The way that sports leagues and franchises can learn from the gaming world, I think I think the legislative world would probably like read that in a much different way, that phrase, because it's such like a, a thing right now. And I know it's not exactly related to eSports, but just the sports leagues and gambling right now is such a topic of conversation. But I mean, it's, it is interesting because eSports has borrowed and has learned from the sports world, like the physical sports world, so much and how they market their players and how like the events are like, organized and advertised and, and all these different, like, um, you know, the way that they're able to make it an event that, you know, sports has been around for so long as such a major industry and esports is such a new industry that it's easy for your esports to be able to learn from that world and learning the opposite direction would be, it would be tough to do because it's such a large thing, it's going to move extremely slowly, and like Travis said, maybe it's a good thing that it doesn't learn from it and paves the way forward for other things like esports to be able to come relevant and prevalent. I think one thing that's very interesting is, is when I was in Cleveland, I became um, familiar and friendly with some of the um, basketball NBA Two K affiliate of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I think they're—I forget what their team name was, but. They, like, they were in a league that competed against all the other team affiliates of NBA teams. And I thought it'd be so, it would, like, how interesting would it be, if, like, the opposite way? If there was, like, a Phase Clan basketball team or, like, a 100 Thieves football team. It'd be so interesting, and I don't even know what that would look like. But, yeah, I just think it's, it's wild to think about that kind of idea because I think that one thing that NFL teams probably, or sports leagues and teams probably could learn from the esports teams and leagues is branding. I think that that they do such a good job of doing collaborations and really like fashion forwards, like streetwear esque branding that I think, um, you know, with the the amount of money there is behind having an NFL or MLB or NBA like license behind your brand, um, there's obviously a ton of like weight that carries and a ton of like money that's behind that. But it also leads them to be a little bit less like liberal with that, uh, with that licensing, with that branding that, um, I think, you know, if you're collaborating with hundred thieves or designing a jacket or something like that, it's just, I think specifically like fashion stuff, but you're probably a little bit less conservative with what you can do with that, with that logo on your shirt.
0: I know previous guests of the show, both of them, Father Blake Britton and Bobby Angel together, they did um, a YouTube mini-series called God and Gaming, and so one of the early things I remember in the series of episodes is Father Blake mentions. That i think in philadelphia or pittsburgh um they're supposed to be building like this whole esports arena complex that's like right there in the heart of the city and the idea is that it's like supposed to be like one of the biggest esports gaming centers that's going to host like all these big tournaments and stuff like that which just seems like interesting or different and so you know as far as i can think or relate with um TTRPGs I know I've had the opportunity to only attend one live show for Critical Role and that was when they did the Darrington Brigade show down in Austin because it was easy enough for me to commute there but you know with them and other streaming shows being able to do these live events it'd be interesting to see in a future where it's like Critical Role plays the big esports arena and then like sells it out or something like that because everyone wants to come and watch you know a bunch of nerds play D&D around a table in the big arena you know, they've sort of started making those ways where they like have limited streaming events at like certain AMC or Cinemark locations. So like, is that gonna be the next step where, oh, these big streaming shows, Demiplane is gonna beat them to the punch and be like, okay, the Esports Arena, we're gonna do a live show there or something like that. And we'll have Johnny Stanton be one of the players. That, that's an
2: interesting <laughs> idea um, you know we've already seen uh, tabletop shows doing live events like you said Critical Role is a great example um, I know the McElroys have done some some touring shows um, I think uh, Madpod. Madpod I'm trying to think if uh,
1: Dimension 20
2: I, I, I don't actually know if dimension 20 has done their own thing outside of conventions and if they are i could be forgetting it uh, but i'm thinking of uh, dungeons and daddies i'm trying to think if they've done
1: uh live stuff they just did, there for, they just did a live show in austin yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just announced a tour yeah.
2: yeah this is already like something that we're starting to see um outside of conventions with conventions it makes sense you know things like acquisitions inc and then all of a uh, great opportunities since casts are already at a convention or since um folks from the community from, from influencers industry folks whoever are already at a convention it's a great spot to do a one-shot i think it would be really interesting to see the idea of doing a show at events and tying those together whether it's you know maybe it's already starting to be done with like uh, this beetle and Grimm show for the the new tv channel uh the uh, faster purple worm yeah um uh, that that could be the start of it where you're filming something on site um, a live venue um, that's becoming something to to you know show to an audience later on but the experience is in person first it's an interesting idea and and i think the the idea of spectacle and and uh, this live experience it, it is is Something that I would love to see us get into in the tabletop space. I think we've got room to grow in that area, uh, and, and room to you know maybe pioneer some cool new things. Um, uh, but I think there are also some practical challenges that we'll have to uh, navigate. Taking um, something that is you know primarily a pen and paper game and making it very engaging and appealing in a live event space for something beyond one shot and, and that's where resources like your virtual tabletops like uh, even just physical minis and terrain you know they do something to to make um it, it more engaging but i i think whoever can figure out how to capture spectacle first in that sense is really gonna be able to to do that well
1: I think we can agree and I, I know it's it's all it's all come across our brains at one point or another and it's all I know in my case it's definitely been brought up to me multiple times that the idea of doing a D&D like tournament because from people who don't know what D&D is and think that it's like competitive and that you're trying to like beat the other players um, I think we we can all agree that at least within the, the current state of D&D it does not work.
3: Yeah, I, I I think it's an interesting ask, and uh, I, I really like the idea of live and, and spectacle. Like you said, Josh, it, it's live music is better than music that's recorded. Uh, like it's just interesting to be there and see it and be a part of it. And theater is so moving, uh, you know, when you're there and watching people do it. And uh, you know, the live shows are are so so much fun to watch uh, because you get to be a part of it. You just as much as the the players are waiting to see how that die you know rolls you know if they get that twenty and when they do the cheers from the crowd um, and you're doing that with people that are like-minded and, and in a similar place. Uh, I don't think now this could be wrong. I don't think there are as nearly as many people that watch a show on a stream that find themselves cheering audibly as when you're in a live show and you're doing it with all of these other people that are. Are in a similar situation, and you know it's affecting uh, the players on the scene. So I do think that there's something special about that, and, and it would be really interesting to see, you know, if that continues to grow um, and if it takes off.
0: Certainly, would be cool to see a, a demiplane Plane show happening at a sold-out e-sports arena, and it's like, okay, we've got them here, and then you're, you know, your fist pumping as you're introducing everyone coming out on the stage and getting ready for a show and you know cutting graphics and all this you know loud thumping music and you know the beers flowing and the popcorns being spilled everywhere and all this stuff i think yeah i could i could see getting into that i don't know if you could sustain it on a like a this is like the season and we're gonna do like games every week at the arena so make sure you buy your season tickets to watch or something like that But I did remember my earlier pin from before, which with the mention of Dungeons and Daddies, they did have a football episode Mm, when they had to, in the first season when they had to get the supper bowl. And then what was it? Uh, Mm -hmm. um, Will Campos's uh, Henry Oak character transformed into an animal and then just flew back and forth across the field to score a bunch of points, which is why it would be like, oh, it's hard to sometimes translate sports into a fantasy setting when people can literally just turn into yeah. earth elementals and do all these wild and crazy powers that would not obey the normal rules of sports in the real
1: world yeah you'd have to definitely uh it's it's hard to create boundaries which is you know all a huge part of what sports is there's a literal boundary on the field it's hard to create boundaries uh, when you can literally bend space and time as a as a wizard yeah
2: Strixhaven has a uh, rules for, for a sport uh, in it, as I recall. Uh, so, you know, I know that there's stuff out there to do it. Uh, it's just a challenge of how do you take the competitive spirit and then give uh, rule sets that let you have somewhat fair competition because some classes are going to be better suited to, to things than others and finding a way to balance it, uh, but also then, you know, set up the challenge and premise well is, is one of the great, uh, I would say, fun things about game design. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, so, um, I mean, that's all the questions I had. So I don't know if you guys have any other questions that have been generated in our conversation that you want to ask each other.
2: I have a single question that I would like to contribute. I, I've, uh, and, and Travis, I'm sure you'll know this because Adam says this uh, probably, once a week uh, in you know, team meetings or on streams for us over at Demiplane. Adam Bradford will say uh, that he believes if everyone played tabletop games, the world would be a lot better place, uh, which to me rings very similar to uh, folks talking about sports building virtue, uh, building character. Uh, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts um, as, as other folks with experience in both worlds. Do you see parallels there? similarities if you had to say does one
1: build more virtue than the other
2: uh what, what do you think
1: <laughs> i don't know if i can have my children compete like that um <laughs> i think um I, I think you're absolutely correct in, in the idea of Both Adam, that adam said like his quote of the world would be a better place if everybody played TTRPG, be able to build those, like those friendships, um, be around a table and like, and have that experience. Cause that's that alone is something that not many people get to experience unless you're at like a dinner table is having hours at a table, just talking to each other. And that's basically the whole game. You know, every once in a while you roll a dice, but like you get to have so much enjoyment with your favorite people just by talking silly voices, like that's just crazy. But like, you're absolutely correct, you know, when families get together, um, you know, for like a beach day and you're just, you're throwing around the Frisbee or you're deciding to place some like beach football, there's so much camaraderie in that as well. Just being able to build bonds in spending quality time together, which goes both ways. So yeah, I think you're absolutely correct in, in, in both statements that like, both TTRPG and sports just I think create a world that I enjoy living in more than if I didn't get to do that. Yeah,
3: yeah, I agree. I think the key is not choosing one or the other. Um, it's experiencing both uh, because they're so different and they both provide such valuable lessons. You know, I find myself very lucky to have been part of, uh, of both of those um, in, in, in a high level in both places. Um, because I agree with what Adam says, um, and I think that the, the empathy that you learn and uh, practice by role-playing um, is something that would help anyone in this world. Um, you know, being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and try and understand a situation uh, different from your own personal perspective. And how would this character who doesn't believe the same things that I believe, how would they understand this? And that's much like how does my neighbor believe what they believe, and you know how can I better understand the way that they think so I can interact with them better. Uh, you know those are great skills to have, and, and the same thing goes with sports. There's a certain level of sacrifice that goes into it. Whether that's uh, you know I think one of the greatest things about team sports is the shared sacrifice. It's the time that you spend together doing the things that no one wants to do, and uh, when you find that adversity together, you come out stronger together and uh, it's hard to replace that um, with something that's that's not uh, in a way that you're you know put in an adverse situation Um, and sports are a natural place to find those those adversities Uh, certainly in life there are are far more adversities than just in in sports but but it's a great way to find you know relatively low impact uh, on your life adversities uh, comparatively i think that the ability to try both even just dip your toe in the water and understand a little bit, whether that's being on the team and not playing, um, and just seeing the interactions at a practice or being a manager that's you know, helping out with equipment for uh, doing the video. Uh, being part of the team doesn't necessarily mean that you're the one on the field. Uh, it means that you're helping that, to move the goal forward. Uh, and uh, I think the same thing goes the other way getting a, getting a chance to try it regardless if you like it and you play it every week from here until forever or you played a one shot and you thought it was interesting or not and and you're done you at least tried it um and you got to experience what that was like
1: i for one i'm grateful i got to do both same <laughs> i feel like they're both
2: very formative experiences just perhaps in different ways yeah
3: absolutely
0: yeah, any, any last questions or like anyone else got anything else? Um, I'm just trying to think of a good way to end it other than just like, you know, plug in your stuff and like, you know, um, you know where we can find all of you and, and stuff like that.
1: I think we covered a whole lot in this and I, I appreciate your, um, you know, the platform to be able to kind of talk about it. So thanks, man.
0: Yeah, not a problem. You know, trying, trying something new. You know, we've done 100 episodes now and we'll keep doing episodes, but it's just like, well, what would be a cool way to get, like, a bunch of guests who I've had before that all have similar spheres of interest or expertise, maybe they have or have not talked to each other. I know I was talking to my coworker worker Catherine, who's had an episode, and I was like, I would love to get you on an art episode with Lauren Walsh. And she is like, oh, my gosh, I would have <laughs> such imposter syndrome being on the same episode as Lauren Walsh. Right. It's like, you're both artists. Like you both have voices and expertise in the area of art and you, I'm sure I would love to sit down and be in the same room as y'all, uh, having a conversation about art and you know what it means to life and all that stuff. And so I, I think that there is a rich guest list that exists for the podcast and that will continue to grow and you know hopefully people listening to this episode will want to inspire their friends to reach out to try and be on the podcast or my guests decide like you know what i really like this show and maybe it's you know worth something maybe i'll recommend someone else to try and be a guest so then that way i can come back for another one of these parlays and then have like a rich panel style episode with my friend that i
3: recommended or whatever i can. absolutely it's cool
0: yeah so i guess to, it sounds like you know the <laughs> beers have been drained and we've uh, we've reached the natural conclusion uh of our conversation without it being too forced or anything like that so if you just want to go around the table and you know uh, again just remind us like who you are and where you can be found and what things and passions should we know about i'll go first uh my name is travis frederick
3: i'm the chief technology officer and co-founder at demi uh we do all things tabletop role-playing. Uh, come check us out. You can find us on the web at DemiPlaneRPG, Round the horn. Uh, you can find me on the web at TFrederick72. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I try to get on as
1: many of these sorts of shows as I can, uh, so you, you may see me around in other places. Yes, we'll go in order of introduction. Uh, my name is Johnny Stanton, Johnny Stanton IV. Uh, if you're looking at my social media profile, you can find me at at Johnny Stanton IV on whatever new uh, social media site came up with in the meantime before this episode came out. Yeah, hopefully you got to see me at San Diego Comic Con. I got to do a, um, or I'm getting to do at this point, uh, a panel with some very cool people uh, on Thursday afternoon. But yeah, uh, and check out the TikTok. Hopefully, um, I didn't just uh, completely lose the thread and uh, I will actually put out this Athletics Check show, which, because I'm very excited about it. It's just the writing of the scripts is uh of the scripts is taking a while but but yeah that's what i've got going on
2: i i feel you when it comes to writing scripts for short form content that is the hardest thing for me to do i tell you what um, uh, I've, I've been Josh Simons and I will continue to be Josh Simons uh, for the foreseeable future I am the community manager at Demiplane uh, Travis has already talked about us so I'll just say uh, come and join us for our streams on Tuesday mornings and Tuesday evenings at twitch.tv demiplanerpg Demiplane RPG I produce all those so say hi in chat and I'll say hi back Um, And you can also join us at Gen Con this year. We will uh, have uh, some of our team members there. Um, So come say hey. Uh, We'll be hanging out with some of our publishing partners. Uh, More details, of course, will be on all of our social media platforms. Um, Then you can follow me personally on the Internet at Joshua M. Simons or visit my website. Uh, It's always under construction, so I apologize for the dust. It's JoshuaMSimons.com. You can find things that I've published Uh, shows that I've been on and who knows what else occasional blogs pictures links I don't know Uh, it's under construction who knows what it's going to look like when it's done
0: wonderful and uh, just to make sure because I want I love shouting it out you know you should support uh, Travis's nonprofit, of blocking hunger which goes to help out with uh, food insecurity for those in the Dallas-Fort Worth area I'm always happy to give that a shout out, and you know any of the worthy causes um, you know that everyone else in the panel believes in as well.
1: Yes, thank, thank you. For you. Having us, Kurt. Appreciate that. Thank you.
0: bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four. Oh,
1: psychics,
2: psychos.